You're listening to All Over the Place, the official podcast of Media Pub Live, with your hosts, Eric Provoznik, Jim Culver, Marty Zamora, and Christine Leninger. All Over the Place, where the fun sanity never ends. Hello and welcome back to All Over the Place, the official podcast of Media Pub Live. As always, we've got Jim Culver, Marty Zamora, Christine Leninger. Our producer is going to be joining us today because this is our topic this week is just too awesome not to involve as many people as possible. Today we are doing the best, oh actually not the best, well, it's, part of it is the best, our favorite albums from 1984. In my book, 1984, when you combine movies and music, entertainment value-wise, you cannot get better than 1984. Movies a topic for a different different show, but I think just the melding of the layers upon layers, as a movie from 1983 would say, uh, just there's so much awesome in 1984. And speaking of 1983, there were still things crossing over from 19, from the previous year between Def Leppard, Pyromania, Shout at the Devil, Motley Crue, Synchronicity, 1982's album Thriller was still kicking ass in '84. Uh, Huey Lewis in the new sports, uh, John Mellencamp, uh huh. Je- oh, god, I, the list could go on and on. Uh, but 1984 itself, it's start. I'm, I'm, it's I, I, I just want to get this all out of the way because <laughs> three, four out of my five top bands ever released albums in 1984, and only one of them made the final cut to my favorite one of the albums of that year. That would be ACDC did not release an album in 1980. Oh, technically they did. They did. A, uh, they uh, re-released. Uh, what was it? The uh, their EP. Um, oh, anyway, it'll come back to me. Um, but they they did that. It was a Bon Scott one that they did just to capitalize on it. Let let it be. Well, uh, funny you should mention that. And here's the replacements uh, with the single "I Will Dare" from their album "Let It Be." That's one. That's one of my top five favorite bands, Prince and the Revolution. And see, in case it's so nice, you get to see it twice: the the forty five and the twelve inch of "Let's Go Crazy," a phenomenal song. The twelve inch has the better version though, because that's got the piano break, as you saw it in the movie, not the radio edit. Uh, and also, we had In Excess had an album in nineteen eighty four, "The Swing," and there's a little forty five from that one as well. And a little band that you're kind of seeing in the backdrop there with my with my old and beloved dog, Tuffy. Uh, he was a big Van Halen fan. Van, they all had albums out that year. And only one of them made the final cut for my a top album from 1984. I can't wait to see which ones you've eliminated because I can't imagine. Well, <laughs> and there, and I, I, know, I already know there's overlap with two of us. And the, the dogs are very excited about this too. Uh, as as always, we get uh, was that was they that said, Mabel? Don't speak so soon. That's a very okay, well, well, mark. All right. Well, I, I know I know I overlap with Christine and Marty on at least one, Jim. So I'm going to go to you first this week. Give us the first of your top. Wait, are we going three, two, one? You're, you're, I, for me, there's no order. It's just uh, these oh. are, Three albums that I love from the from 1984. If you if you want to do it, if you want to go sequential, Oxy cats living together. Oh, oh, I will, Monty. A great I movie will. from 1984. There you go, Jim. Well played. <laughs> okay, all right. So I will go with my first my first pick, and I was doing one, two, three. So this would be number, my number one. I think not only is this 
my favorite album of, of 1984. It's one of my favorite albums of all time and one I never get tired of listening to. Ooh. And that is that is Talking Heads Stop Making Sense. Ah, bravo. Absolutely sir. beautiful, brilliant album. Also my Love favorite it. concert film of all time. Big, I know, at least the summer. I know the last waltz gets gets a lot of love and some others, but stop making sense. My all time favorite, and I yeah, wow. and I've I've watched the DVD at least a dozen times. I love that that concert album. And you do and, know that's coming out as Christine just said, it's coming out later this year in theaters again. I do. So I'm so yep. excited for that. I Absolutely. saw it on the big screen a couple of years ago, but all the the complete concert, I'm jazzed. So yeah, and stop making sense was my number five. I had to eliminate a couple down. That was my number five. So I, I love hearing that. Okay. That's fair. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, uh, the music is like every track. It just, just bangs. You got David Byrne out there with the energy of a, of a toddler on Ritalin. Just, <laughs> I don't know how nice he suit. does it in a, in a, in a very nice suit that, that suspiciously expanding over time. Uh, and uh, yeah, just absolutely brilliant concert and a, and a brilliant soundtrack. And I absolutely love it. Life During Wartime is probably my favorite track on there. It's one of those that I just never get tired of. So that's and my number one. Another thing I love about that album, unlike a lot of bands in live settings, they just play what you hear on the album. Talking Heads, they did different right. arrangements, not of everything, but you know when they added Bernie Worrell from the Herbie Hancock's band and just bringing all those extra musicians in, they, they changed the arrangements. I love that. And, and so you're, you're burning down the house, hitting on, the, on different uh, syllables. Oh, I, yeah, Stop Making Sense is so good. Yeah, and it's one of those live albums that, that I mean, doesn't sound like, you know, a lot of a lot of live albums lose some of the some of the quality because it's it's a recorded live album. But but stop making sense, man. It does not lose any quality between like an like a like a pre-recorded album mm -hmm. and and that that live version. It's absolutely fantastic. Plus so. a bonus uh, with a Tom Tom Club song. Indeed. Yep. Good stuff. I so well, 1984 folks it's my wheelhouse oh and one uh also um a great uh nod to david byrne on a great sketch on snl rich hall doing uh just getting dressed up in the video you may ask yourself why is this suit so big <laughs> all this useless knowledge folks it comes in handy for shows like this yeah is that the rich hall that does that does uh kind of spoof spoofs of of country music Albums? Uh, not to my knowledge. I, I mainly, I first knew Rich Hall from uh, the uh, whatever HBO show. I was kind of like a, a new par news parody show. I was ahead of his time, news parody show, but he uh, was one of the guys who read the Snakelets. Oh, okay. I know who you're talking about. Okay. Sorry. There's another Rich Hall who who does like a, almost like a Weird Al version of. of that's Julia Louise Stryfus's husband, right? That's Brad Hall. Oh, that's Brad Hall. So there was a Rich right. Hall and a Brad Hall on SNL at the same time. Yeah, or maybe yeah, they overlap right, by right. right. No, Brad Hall left. Julia Louis Dreyfus stayed on for the 1984-85. Rich Hall is the guy who actually won the Superman audition. He beat out Christopher Reeve because Christopher Reeve was uh, kind of uh, bumbling and stumbling in the audition for <laughs> Richard Donner, played by Jim Belushi. I, I know who you're talking about now. I got you. <sighs> I'm I I, okay. I get foggy in the old SNL. It's been too long. <laughs> Eighty four eighty five was my favorite year with Billy Crystal and uh, Martin Short and Chris Guest. So excellent. But, but hey, we're Marty. We're gonna go to you Marty. next. All right. So uh, I oh, are, uh, are you doing a three two one or a one two three or it doesn't three, matter. Two, one. I'm gonna okay. do a three two one. Uh, maybe at some point before I get to one, I'll do a couple of honorable mentions. Uh, one of them. 
will shock you uh, that it's not on here. But uh, I'm going to go with number number three. And I'm at least you, Eric, Uh-oh. will strongly disagree. Possibly all three of you people. <laughs> uh, Bob Marley's Legend. Uh, it is full of one song after another, after another, that changed my way of looking at life. And not... Not in some philosophical way, like the lyrics. It was, uh, you know, they were poignant or whatever. This album was made for white people. We know that. It was made to apply to a broader range. Um, but that island beach mentality, that that feeling that everything is fine. Yeah, we have problems, but we're okay. Look around. Everything is good. Uh, I just come off the worst seven years almost a decade of my life uh dark dark places and man reggae changed everything for me and obviously unless you're into reggae bob marley is reggae for most people um but it's you know hit after hit after hit after hit after hit. i mean there's uh i don't know six or seven that charted and uh just absolutely loved it and i was living on the beach at the time so that helped all right, and, and I, I'm with you, and I'm not surprised by that at all. Uh, and that's it, a great call, but it's technically a greatest hits album. It is, it so, is. But, but again, hey, it's an album that came out in 1984. It qualifies. There you go. Wait, oh, I mean, I, Live After Death would qualify, but it didn't. No, that was 1985. I, but it would qualify as an album, is what I mean. Yes. Mm-hmm. Or, or it would be on here as my number. Oh, one. don't worry. We'll, we'll have a live albums countdown at some point, too. There we go. And, and you and I will overlap yet again. So, yeah. <laughs> All right. So, anyway, so, yeah. It was really, uh, I love the music, but I really just love the whole uh, lifestyle and the whole everything that I was going through in that time. And anytime I hear reggae, it takes me back. Got custody of my son. Uh, I met the love of my life who, well, she's not here now, but she's been by my side s- since then. That was almost 20 years ago. So, for me, it just, uh, they say music does a thing. It, it moves you. It takes you back to a place. This definitely does. Um, I've got an old piece of crap truck out in the driveway. Uh, it runs and everything, but I only hold on to it because it's from that time. And, you know, greatest time of my life. So many good things happening. So, Bob Marley, thank you, sir. I'm not All a big right. fan of the whole Rastafarian philosophy, but I will say that is that it, he did make some amazing music, and it's yeah, it's, it's the best. Yeah, it's the best music out there. If you want it, you want to chill. As everyone who's ever lived in a college dorm can testify, uh, and uh, you know, I think everyone goes through a a Bob Marley phase as they're going through college. So, um, you want to get yeah, the chicks, absolutely. you better have legend. And by the way, I or still don't smoke guitar. weed. I I still haven't smoked weed since high school, so. I didn't get all of it. Right. <laughs> all right. I, I see someone's uh, uh, muted because uh, the yappy dogs. But let's bring back Christine for her pick. And I appreciate that. I actually got to meet um, the Whalers a couple of years ago and have breakfast with them. And really? um, just cool dudes. Nice. Yeah, super cool like, dudes. And I got to posh? sing. Um, I uh, I got to sing um, Justin uh, Happy Birthday, um, wow. which was kind of cool. <laughs> Was Dang. he there? Huh? 
Was Ziggy there? Um, no, it was um somebody else. Tosh, Peter um, Tosh. Continue. Hold up. <laughs> uh, the, the joys of the joys of recording at home when you've got three boys it happens well, uh, or that was a home invasion i hope those boys can fight well all three of them are football players so i hope so go get some boys go get some so i i guess we'll just skip to me now and i, I just want to illustrate how difficult this was i'm going to give a sampling of how difficult 1984 or just how awesome 1984 was and I wish I could, I, these were disposable. I could do like a letterman, throw it off to the side, but I won't. The Honey Drippers. Slay, this has my one of my top three songs from the year, Run, Run Away. Mm. It's such a badass song, and Slay kicks in. Tina Turner, Private Dancer. Steve Perry. Almost made my list. Street Talk. Metallica leaps forward. I, from, I mean, just going after uh, Kill Em All. This was a huge leap forward for them. Doesn't make honorable. Julian Lennon Vallot. Yes. <laughs> Pretty much another Prince album, but sung by Morrison and the boys. And here, here's the Go-Go's with Talk Show. Beauty and the Beat gets all the love as it should. It's an amazing debut album. But Talk Show, I, I will listen to just as much as Beauty and the Beat. So that's. That's but a sampling of what I had to, to dig through this brain of mine. But my number, I guess I will do a three, two, one. And my number three would be, oh, it was there and then, and then it left. Unforgettable Fire by U2. And for, uh, another leap forward. It was the first album that they did with uh, Brian Eno and Daniel Lanois producing. And side two gets a little, you know, Bono getting a little too... Uh, struggling too much to be a poet, but that, it, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. Uh, uh, but uh, just the title track, A Sort of Homecoming, uh, Pride in the Name of Love, as much as it got overplayed. Just, so that was their announcement that, you know, this is a leap forward from the very raw and amazing war album uh, that preceded it and then Under a Blood Red Sky, live at Red Rocks. Uh, and uh, three more days, no, sorry, four more days. Um, let's end up and wire on the, uh, you know, and my all time favorite YouTube song is on unforgettable fire bad, which the next year for live aid. Yes. Queen was the star. Absolutely. Positively. That was the greatest performance you will ever see from in my book, the greatest music performance ever on television, but you two doing bad that day, almost 10 minute long, might even cross 10 minutes. Epic. <laughs> personified and unforgettable fire such an amazing album from you too and, and, and it allowed them to go to the next level uh the next time around with joshua tree but that is my number three and now we flip over to christine we flip over to me telling you that you're wrong i'm just kidding oh it, yeah it's mr anti you too there yes you know they're a brilliant band they have amazing music <sighs> and i don't really like it <laughs> i don't know why <laughs> And they you don't are, have to. There's enough of us that love it. Yeah, they so are fantastic. YouTube is to Eric as Sublime is to Marty. There you go. There you go. Good analogy because they are they are fantastic. There's no denying it. It's a that's a great band. Their music is fantastic. And if I'm accidentally listening to it, I enjoy it. <laughs> but I don't like it. But we will not be convincing Marty and his wife Nicole to join us in Las Vegas to see you two later this year. 
Maybe just uh, the, the Vegas, Vegas part, but not for you two. The, yeah, the Vegas part is still on the table because <laughs> I like me some Vegas. Anyway, to Christine. And <laughs> good, bad, and different. I have to continue what my my beloved over there started because so much of my music taste, um, like I was, I'm the youngest of four kids, so a lot of my music taste came from my father listening to prog rock and Rolling Stones and, you know, the Beatles and all of these bands and then went into Ozzy Osbourne and Led Zeppelin and Journey and Styx with my oldest sisters and Rush from my, my second sister. And she got me into REM, but the majority of the stuff that I still listen to that I got from one of my older siblings was from my brother, Steven. And he got me into U2 like from boy, like from the very beginning, got me into U2. And I was like brought up under his wing listening to U2. And one of my all time favorite songs is um, A Sort of Homecoming. Like I get kind of choked up when I even sing that song. It's a little silly, but I love, 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 love. Because there's other albums that were in my, there's other albums that were in my list of like Humans Lib from Howard Jones, um, you know, uh, Reckoning from R.E.M., Let It Be from The Replacements. My God, The Replacements, like these amazing bands that I was introduced to from my brother, you know, all the punk stuff, like but you too, it always goes back to you too. And I just still get like emotional when I listen to them. So that's definitely in my top three for 84. All right, there you have it. We, we, Marty's already argued with me that I was wrong. So by proxy, Christine's wrong on that one too. All right, I'll take it. So uh, we, uh, there's no need to repeat that anymore. So Jim, we go back to you for your number two. Okay. Christine's totally right. <laughs> <laughs> She's right, and I and I don't have to lie to say it because because uh, I love you too. Also, <laughs> Marty, why do you hate the Irish? That's why. And I we love you. What's your too. problem? Man? <laughs> I, yeah, I, I, like- I was going to bring up uh, wh- uh, how can the wolf survive Los Lobos, but I'm not going to now. Forget it. <laughs> hey, wait a minute. I like the Pogues and the Dubliners, and I, I mean, and Mark Daly and the Ravens. See. Oh, yeah, good. Yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, yeah. So my number two, um, and I'm going to apologize in advance because this is a uh, an, an iconic '80s album. So I apologize in advance if I'm if I'm uh, doubling up with somebody else's pick. Um, but this is an album that I that I absolutely love from my childhood. Um, Michael Jackson Thriller, and uh, one of those that that my uh, that 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 my, my parents had on vinyl and, and I have a lot of good memories of me and my big sister as kids listening to that, that those records over and over again. Uh, that one is uh, in particular and it's got thriller. It's got Billy Jean. It's got so many of, of, of Michael's hits from the, from back in the day. Want to be uh, starting something. The girl is mine. Yep. This absolutely fantastic album that one of those defining albums from the eighties and, and uh, yeah, I mean, we can talk all day about how sa- how sad uh, it was in in my, Michael's personal life that he 
that he devolved from Elvis into Gollum during my <laughs> lifetime and, and uh, how unfortunate that was, but uh, there's no question that's, he was, he was an incredible talent and uh, that's an absolutely iconic album. So yeah, that's my pick thriller. And although that is technically an album from 1982, this is a good, this is a good segue time to, because it was still charting only five albums hit number one, the billboard top 200 album chart in 1984 thriller started out the year carrying over from 82 83 it was basically the number one album it i think synchronicity was one of the few albums to knock it off briefly then it came back because michael just kept releasing single after single after single right um i think there's only one maybe two songs off of that nine nine songs in that album that was not released as a single in the states but uh thriller started out the year at number one does anyone want to venture any guesses this this can prove who actually listens to me in our friend conversations uh, what, what is it? What's what the was question? the next album? To, five albums hit number yeah. one in the year 1984, and only five. Thriller started out the year at number one. What displaced it and stayed for a few weeks? Uh, it was sports. No, that came in the summertime for one week. So there's there's okay. two. You said short time. That's why I went with sports because uh, Purple Rain did. Out many many thousand consecutive weeks. Well, so that, I that that closed the year, and uh, there's yeah. only two more right. now. Two more, uh, and one one of them, the one that displaced it, was a soundtrack. Oh, Footloose! I think there I know that go. one. Yeah, yep. And then there was uh, some some album by a guy from New Jersey. Yeah, you may have heard of. Yeah, him. whatever happened to him? A little album. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. He's one of that. Um, that album is one of my honorable mentions. Um, my, I was raised by basically hippies, and that was my first kind of delve into patriotism. And it's not even a patriotic song; it's an anti-patriotic song. Not really, song. not really. But hey, there's an American flag, man. Come on, that's right. Is it, well, he 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 changed it from. Uh, it was supposed to be on Nebraska. That song. It was it was acoustic, and then he decided to add the anthemic uh, chorus to it and uh, the bombast. Bombastic, the bombast was added for uh, Born in the USA album. And then guys like Ronald Reagan tried to co-opt it and it just blew up. A classic case, another classic case of a Republican trying to co-opt something and it blows up in their face, but whatever. It was a feel-good chorus. It is. It is. But those are your five five albums. That's it in the year 1984. Back when, back before SoundScan, where you could kind of bribe uh, the record stores to keep selling the albums, but uh, but Footloose was an honorable mention for me. Just because uh, song after song after song. So oh, yeah, the, just one of okay, my, one the of my obvious own. the obvious Kenny Loggins. What was the other? There's two oh, Kenny Loggins, just like there's two in. There is, but there's a third biggest song on that album. Do anybody but Eric know who that is by? Female. Well, the song is Let's Hear It for the well, Boy, but I can't remember what the singer is. Yeah. yeah, Let's Hear It for the Denise Williams. Oh, yeah, Let's Hear It for the That was the one. That was the one, yeah. I forgot all about it. And and I just uh, learned recently that uh, Bonnie Tyler's holding out for a hero. Only That did not crack the top 30. It, it was somewhere like, thir- I think it peaked at number 34. It's peaked somewhere in the 30s. And that's one of the best songs on the album, as far as I'm concerned. Sammy Hagar's got a great one on there. The Girl Gets Around. Uh, Dancing in the Sheets, Shalimar. A lot of songs. Good stuff. Of songs. 
And then uh, and Quiet Riot and John Mellencamp and Foreigner had songs in the movie, but those weren't on the soundtrack till they released a bonus, the special edition remastered. All this useless I, knowledge. Well, I, th- I think that Hedger gave you a superpower. <laughs> <laughs> hey, have uh, you ever heard of the police? No, but they're behind us now. <laughs> All right, Marty, you're number two. All right, my number two. And uh, by the way, I'll just say it now. Uh, uh, Purple Rain was knocked off by Legend, and I know that's blasphemous to hear, but sadly it was. It was in there, and then I went, wait a minute. Okay, so number two. Number two, Van Halen, 1984. (gasps) Yes. I do that because Marty and I have been friends for a few years now, and I know that when that album came out, he was – one of those Van Halen guys who didn't like the keyboard so much, but Marty, go ahead. This is, this is welcome news. So, uh, well, for the other two who haven't, haven't, uh, haven't heard this, I know Eric has, and for the millions and millions of you listening and growing, so, uh, <laughs> me and my friends were, uh, in my high school anyway, in 84, there was kind of, three things going on. There was the group of people that were into Thompson twins and Depeche mode and Duran Duran. And you get the idea. And then there was the group that was into all the really pop stuff, all just whatever, whatever was charting. And then there was me and my idiot friends. We were into metal and metal only. We liked rock. Zeppelin was cool, whatever, you know, we were cool with the doobie brothers and all that, but really we were into metal metal. That's it. And so there was this constant conflict, right? And we were very excited. 1984 is coming out. And we were, uh, they said, it was on KLOS. They said, we're going to debut the Van Halen's latest single. So we were all hanging out uh, at my buddy Johnny's house, not doing anything illegal. We were not smoking anything illegal. Uh we were hanging out and waiting. We were waiting for uh, for this song to come on, right? And uh, I don't know if I put this part in the part that I told Eric, but um, Johnny's parents were out of town for the weekend. Johnny had an older brother had already moved out. He showed up, and we were all, I'm just going to say it, we were all in Johnny's room smoking weed, waiting for the song to come on, and he came in the room and started flipping things over and punching us up. So we all ran out. And ran to my 1973 Pinto, which was the I was the only one had a car, and turned KLOS back on. That's where we heard it. Sitting out in front of Johnny's house, Johnny's arguing in the house with his older brother, and the rest of us are sitting out front. And here's the single from Van Halen and keyboards. We we almost cried. We almost cried. It was devastating. I I still kind of feel it right now. It was so awful. We could not believe it. Now, as I've gotten older, I realize it's a good song. There, I mean, there's nothing wrong with it. But keyboards, this was the anti-rock. And Van Halen was God. And what is God doing? God doesn't play keyboards. It was rough. <laughs> Didn't you see rough. it coming, though, with that intro to Dancing in the Street off Diver Down? Yeah, I should have. Had a little bit of keyboard um, thing going on at the beginning of in the Cradle yeah. of Rock, too. There was a couple little clues here and there, but we kind of, <laughs> that's cool, whatever. Uh, but 
so it wasn't until you know the album was released shortly after, maybe a couple of weeks or so. Uh, I went down to, and this won't, if you're not from Southern California, you won't know what this is. Licorice Pizza went down there and bought myself the album, and we went to my room. And the, basically the same group of guys, we played the rest of the album. We were very, very happy. We were, okay, this, this album rips. Cool. This, that one terrible song. Because I know there's another song with a keyboard in it, with a lot of keyboards in it. But that song's a lot better. That song's, you know. I'll Wait is a better song than Jump. Yeah, yes. So. Anyway, so uh, 1984, I was a junior in high school. And life was, I was invincible. I had a six pack, uh, you know, every weekend was an adventure. You're messing school. people up on the football field. School was easy. No, I was already done with football by then because oh. grades were, you know, <laughs> I, I, I screwed up in my grades and they said, thanks, but no thanks. Um, but you know, uh, life was good. Life was really good. And that album is, you know, on the, probably 20 albums of the song, the soundtrack on my high school years. <clears throat> Despite jump. Uh, you know, you'll, you'll get no argument for me on that one. And uh, yeah, Christine, you're up next. I had a really hard time. <laughs> well, give us a couple of your honorable mentions. Such a hard time. Like, you have one of the albums that easily could have been in my top three. Like I still listen to it. I was so excited when I found it at the record store a couple weeks ago. The first album I ever bought for myself was released in 1984. So wow. like, I had a really, really hard time because even though this I one love that album. I love <laughs> that album, but it's not Prince. <laughs> no, it is not. It's not purple. Rankin Roger is like, no prince. Everything like I and I, I mean I'll tell you Dave Wakeling, um, general public, English beat. Uh, I've probably seen them more than any so other good. band that I've ever seen in my life. Like I walk up and I get the head numb from Dave. Like, seriously, I've seen him so many times, probably. Oh, um, I love the English beat. Right? <laughs> Freaking love them. If it was the year special beat service was released, no contest. But like, um, yeah, I, I love all the rage, but I had to go with Purple Rain because it just was everything back then. It just was everything. I remember going to the movies with all of my friends and like taking over rows of the movie theater with my friends and seeing that movie and like, we knew all the words. We would have sleepovers and like act like I, I know it sounds super cheesy, but like we seriously loved that album. And it's still it holds up. Like it's amazing. You could be anywhere and hear, you know, the intro. Dearly beloved, we've been gathered here today to get through this thing called life, and everybody just stops. Yeah. <laughs> For sure. For right? Sure. So I, we we co-opted that intro. Purple, huh? One of our shows when it was uh, when I was in the the first band I was in in LA, the Gentleman Callers. We were playing down at the uh, Club Lingerie on the Sunset Strip, yeah. and uh, it was right after the 20th anniversary of Purple Rain had come out, and I had gotten it all that. And so I, with the band's permission, I had the DJ say, uh, "Ladies and gentlemen, the Gentleman Callers," and then I went into 
Dearly beloved, we are gathered here to get, to gather here today to get through this thing called life. Then Dennis kicked in on the drums. So yeah. Did you say it like present? I don't care how cheesy it was. It was fun. Did, did you say it like Prince? I did. Dearly beloved. Dearly beloved. We gather here today. Pancakes. <laughs> Electric wood. That life that means forever. That's mighty long time. But I'm here to tell you. There's something else. And I, I do have to ask you, at these sleepover parties, did anyone ask if, if the water was warm enough? <laughs> funny. Oh, my. <laughs> Very funny. <laughs> you got, you got, this is what the round table's like, folks. We go at it. Uh, oh. oh. Yes. Well. I was but I will tell you off of that album for a very long time. Like it might, like I would die for you was like my favorite off of that album. Well, oh, love, well, baby, baby you're a star. Yeah, baby, you're a star is a good one too. But I would die for you was my favorite. Dirty one. Not a bad, not a bad song. My only beef with it is the fact that yes, it's called the Purple Rain soundtrack. It's a Prince album. A soundtrack should right. have songs from. There's also good stuff from there from the time, which you got on the time, yeah. One, uh, the Ice Cream Castle album yeah. that came out also in '84. You've got uh, Des Dickerson, Prince's old guitarist, who he brought in for the solo song on there, uh, Mountaineer. And of course, uh, was the Vanity Six, then became the Apollonia Six. Yep. Sex Shooter. Mm hmm. But if, if you're nice enough to me and you have a CD player that still works, I, ha I made the deluxe version. Of it, including all those songs and dialogue from the film. Nice. And Purple Rain didn't even make my top three, folks. Didn't wow. even make it. That's it's surprising. Not mention. That's surprising. Wow. Yeah. So, what That's is your number two, Eric? My number two. Well, I've already overlapped with you, Christine. I will now overlap with. I'm sure Martin Zamora's number one. I can only guess will be this album. And like, Mar I mean, Mar the stuff that Marty brought up earlier. Uh, I was that guy. I, I've always been a jukebox mentality. So I was listening to pop. I was listening to uh, what uh, Duran Duran and Thompson Twins. Because for me, uh, and this is where 1984 is where MTV really started to gain a foothold in influencing sales of albums. And it was also the first year they had, they started flexing their muscles. It was the first year of the MTV Video Awards hosted by anyone, anyone? Dan Aykroyd and Bette Midler. And um, the video of the year that year was from an album that is so good. It, it would be in my top 10. Honorable mention to the Cars, Heartbeat City. And the videos from that album were amazing. All of them. And the, song, the songs matched it as well. So I had the Cars. Uh, and another thing about 1984, you could turn on the radio and you would hear Rat and uh, Tina Turner, Brian Adams, Brian Adams' Reckless, another great album from that year that carried over to 1985. One of honorable mentions. Yeah. 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 Uh, but uh, Springsteen, Prince, and Huey Lewis, and Van Halen. You didn't change the channel. It's not like it is now where you've got all this segment, uh, segmented stuff and clear channel. And, you know, like, what band today could be heard across multiple stations? I think only Foo Fighters or maybe the Chili Peppers. I... I, I or maybe Miley Cyrus. I don't know, but it, it, everything's so segmented now, and it's yeah. balkanized. But uh, and, and radio is not what it was. Yeah, it, yep. I mean, um, you listen to what you want now, right? Um, but I also because of MTV, 
1983, I started seeing uh, one another of Marty's uh, favorite albums from uh, Iron Maiden. It may even be his favorite, Peace of Mind. Really got into Maiden then. And I, I like it because they were uh, they were an intelligent band. I mean, on, uh, the 80, on uh, Peace of Mind, they sang about, uh, there it is right there. Hey, I, I think I know who got that. Um, but, uh, so, uh, but To Tame a Land was about uh, Doom. Oh, so uh, and then flash forward a year, 1984, and Power Slave by Iron Maiden still blows me away. That album is start to finish. I mean, Ace is High, Two Minutes to Midnight. Lost for Words, the, the instrumental, uh, Flash yeah. of the Blade, The Duelist, uh, and, you know, the title track, uh, I Don't Want to Die, I'm a God, Why Can't I Live On? And the capper, the album, a 12-minute song based off of Samuel Taylor Coleridge's uh, Rhyme in the Ancient Mariner, which I actually got one wow. of my teachers to play in English class senior year on, on our Coleridge chapter. And we nice. say, well, we listen to the live after death version, Marty. Ah, nice. So nice. yeah, but Power Slave and and, and I, I've only seen Maiden once in my life, and it was what a f two tours ago. It took me so long to see one of my favorite bands, and I heard Power Slave that night and just went ape shit. So, but Iron Maiden, Power Slave, my number two from 1984. Oh, but, but hey, I almost forgot. Here's what we had to deal with that year as well. The Alarm Declaration, David Bowie's least favorite album by anyone, maybe besides uh, Never Let Me Down. I love Bowie, but that album. I love side two of this album. Side one, very questionable cover of the Beach Boys. Uh, no, don't like that song, but side two, love this album. There's some Thompson Twins for you, Into the Gap. Uh, and here they are. Oh, what's the name of this album, by the way? All over the place. Gotta love the bangles. <laughs> And oh yeah, the breaking soundtrack. Not the second one. The second one came later in 1984, breaking to Electric Boogaloo. But this is where it all started, folks. Shabadoo and um, who's the other guy? Um, don't look, Eric. Shabadoo and um, oh, I can't remember. Shabadoo. Oh, Shabadoo and Boogaloo Shrimp. Oh, that's right. Boogaloo Shrimp. Yes. Boogaloo Shrimp. That's what I had. So there's some more albums from the awesome 1984 year. Let's close this mother out, folks. With whether it's your number one or your number three, Jim Culver, go. Okay, so my third was officially uh, is Van Halen 1984, but I I cannot tell a better story than Marty did about that album. So uh, I'll just say it's a fantastic album, and Van Halen is has some of the most fun music of my childhood, and absolutely love it. Um, fun uh, for sure yeah so uh i i some of my backups were have also been mentioned the footloose soundtrack and brian adams reckless uh so i will move on to another uh honorable mention that has not been not been discussed tonight but i think is and it's not a personal favorite but i think it's a really an essential album from the from the from the early 80s and that would be madonna's like a virgin came out at the end of the year yep Monster. so Absolutely, I mean, just incredible um, uh, music, and she was just an absolute force to be reckoned with back then. 
Um, you know, I mean, Madonna's one of those celebrities that I've wanted to go away for a very long time. And that's the nicest thing I can <laughs> say about her these days. But, uh, but there's no denying, man, back in the eighties, she was absolute force to be reckoned with. Her music was, was beautiful and haunting and powerful. Uh, and, uh, yeah, of course, like a virgin and which also inspired, uh, maybe, maybe the best Quentin Tarantino monologue of all time. Uh, <laughs> I got Madonna's big dick coming out of my left ear. I got Toby Wong, Tommy, the Jap coming out of my right ear. I actually quoted that at a exactly. baseball game the other day when someone was playing oh, really? music. One of the parents was playing music too loudly. I had a coach yapping at me in one ear, and I had Madonna, <laughs> and I said Madonna's big dick, and then I, and Toby the Jap or Toby Wong, Toby Jong. <laughs> Thank God exactly. I'm still employed. Yeah, seriously. But, and Madonna debuted that song at the uh, MTV video awards and got in big trouble for it. Right. Writhing around in her yep. wet, in the wedding dress. <laughs> yeah. Like when you got in trouble for those kind of things in the music industry, but <laughs> um, uh, just to Christine with purple rain, I did not see that in the theater. My mom did not allow it because the Catholic, uh, one of the Catholic nun associations condemned it. So I was not allowed. And then of course my father, the Methodist in the family got me the cassette when we moved to Toledo. And then I got to see it when it came out on video. So, and another, my dearly departed grandmother Betty. I have to share that. I, I hate to. I'm, I'm sorry, Jim. I'll, I'll just would like a virgin. Christmas 1984. Grandma Betty bought me that album for Christmas. Oh my! And I would just have loved to have been at National Record Mart that day when a 61 year old woman came up and asked, "Where can I get Madonna's Like a Virgin album?" Or knowing Betty, she probably found she was so resourceful. She found it on her own. But just to see her put it down on the counter to sell. So I yeah. love hey, Eric. You brought her up. Hey, Eric. Yes. How old are you? Uh, 53 going on 14, 1984 age. Yeah, so 61's not that far away for you. <laughs> I know you picture a little old lady, but oh my, we're getting old. <laughs> You don't slow not down. Nice, you never buddy, blow not old. Nice. <laughs> it's too right, loud. You're too old. That's right. And who's going to get to 61 before I do? <clears throat> the guy in the lower left, and as far as my screen showing. So, yeah. Yeah, very soon, like five minutes from now. Mm. <laughs> By the now, way, we can't, uh, we can't really play the Brady Bunch here because Jim's below me. Christine's right. over there to my. Actually, I got to go the other way around oh, it. Yeah. There, oh, she's in that direction. Eric's over there. Yeah, and my Mar Marty's down <laughs> there. Yes. We are absolute professionals. Let me tell you. <laughs> we don't goofy. So. Hey, by the way, Mr. Culver. Sir. Uh, all of Eric's ramblings, all of his <laughs> brain, brain explosions. <laughs> when we talk about movies, it's your time to do that thing well yeah that's that's why i have infinite patience because i know that's how i sound to people when i start talking about movies they just yeah. kind of smile and nod like oh yeah that's so interesting that that guy was in that other movie that i also haven't seen yeah mm. <laughs> so <clears throat> marty you, you picked 1984 knowing this could very well happen uh yeah <laughs> it's my ultimate wheelhouse yes so uh am i up you're up yeah. You're up. You're up. You're number. You're numero uno. Well, I think it's not that much of a secret anymore. Um, just, yeah, <laughs> well, just based on subtle, very, very subtle clues 
that I've left. <laughs> bring it back. Bring it back. He's turning to get glitchy. Yes. <laughs> Bow to Power Slave. Okay. And he totally froze. <laughs> <laughs> worth it. Worth it. Totally yeah. worth it. Right, That's the best backdrop ever. Oh, I'm back, right? Yes, you're good. Yes. Well, you know, am I back? Okay. No, you're so no, you're yeah, front. Power slave. Power slave. Uh, Eric, uh, he already covered. He rambled off all the songs. Uh, for me, it was "Rhyme of the Ancient Mariner." That's that blew my mind. That song, uh, but the whole album, uh, just one good song after another. And I'm pretty sure it's because I loved Iron Maiden. No, forget that D. I love Iron Maiden with all my heart. Um, uh, whether you have a relationship with a woman, a man, a god, a car, I love Iron Maiden that much, probably more. I love that band so, so freaking hard. And that album, I, Eric may have talked me out of, out of peace of mind. <laughs> Look at that guy. Uh, I just, man, they were just everything I needed them to be. Every, they were they were entertaining and musically good. And even people that weren't into them would hear them and go, what the heck is this? This is awesome. And, uh, I, you know, I would win over some of my, you know, Thompson twin friends, you know, like, Hey, listen to this. They're like, wow, what in the hell are you listening to? That's pretty good. So love the album. Um, went to uh, every tour from 83 to 86, right in there. You know, I did all of those. Uh, obviously, live after death was just. He was there, folks, when Bruce Dickinson screamed or, or requested "Scream for Me, Long Beach." He yes, was there. I, I was about twenty or thirty rows back on the floor. I started about a hundred rows back, but that's. I was in high school. You weren't stopping me, <laughs> and so we climbed. We chair climbed and crowd whatever we have to do and we ended up about 25 to 30 rows back by the time they were really rolling and uh yeah i was looking at a guy you know uh, not very far away scream for me long beach later on when i bought the album i almost cried like i was fucking there <laughs> yeah. it's kind of dumb now but man it was just such an amazing experience and that band took me through at least from my sophomore year to to my Jesus years, which was right around 21. So, uh, you know, I, that's what I listen to all the time. Iron Maiden, Judas Priest, Ozzy, all that, just constantly. And Iron Maiden just stands far and away just better than all the rest. And um, uh, the, the Michael Jordan of metal for me is Iron Maiden. And I'm going to cry. <laughs> and That's beautiful marty that's beautiful and, and, and you saw them was it earlier i don't know it was last year you and your uh your son uh yeah and thank you what, for bringing that up so there, there there's the generational thing there and all, when you're there at an iron maiden show tell everybody like like what the age range was at that show i, I was i was blown away so uh i get a call from my son he's like dad you're gonna be here by this time right because we were moving from havasu uh, over here to Southern California. And I said, yeah, well, I'll be there. Why? 
Iron Maiden's playing. They're playing Chula Vista. We got to go. San Diego. I'm like, you're kidding. He goes, we're there. Yeah, we're there. So we're all both. We're both excited. We we haven't been to a Maiden show together. It was, it was just, you know, good setup, right? We get there. And, uh, of course, everything's $25. You want a beer? It's $25. You want a napkin? $25. <laughs> it was, well, whatever. We fought through all that. The T-shirt the, the that will be in the mail for you, Eric, was $50. $50. Yeah. I, I, anyway, rented a chair for $25. <laughs> the The crowd that was there was a mixture of a lot of guys like me. I'll be honest. There was like a lot of guys like me that were, you know, right around the early to mid-50s that were just, you know, they went through what I went through. A lot of, surprisingly, a lot of younger people, people teenagers that came there was there was a kid he was i don't know maybe 10 or something like that him and his dad are i was a little embarrassed that me and my son weren't as excited as they were they were singing every every lyric to every song the kid loved it so much he was 10 he was that's, 10. that's what blew me away when i saw him these kids were known that kids that age and and maybe even a little bit younger knew the worst of wrath child which is yeah. the first couple albums. It's like, yeah, Maiden fans are dead. I would say they're they're more hardcore than Slayer fans. And I, those are hardcore fans. Oh, so, yeah. They they rival, and I don't really care for the music, but they rival the Grateful Dead in that dedication of like, this is my band and I don't care what happens. Yeah. I don't care where I am or what I'm doing. These are my guys. And man. Just love them. Uh, I was going to do the honorable mention thing before I said that, but, you know, whatever. Let's hear them. Uh, yeah. My honorable mentions are uh, uh, Born in the USA, which we covered. Uh, a few others. Last in, Last in Line, Defenders of the Faith. Not Judas Priest, you know, best album, but still, I was a metalhead. There's so. some good. <laughs> the Sentinel is one of the best Priest songs, though. Very good song, yes. So, uh, you know, I was, uh, it, it was no British deal, but I loved it. I was a metalhead. Uh, Ride the Lightning, you mentioned that. Um, uh, and, uh, man, I mean, I remember listening over and over to uh, The Replacements, Let It Be. It was amazing, and it was an amazing time in my life. No. Said no Marty ever. No, uh, I, I actually, while He's I was doing taunting this, us, Christine, taunting us, I will, I will tell you this, both of you's youths, uh, when I was, uh, so I was doing some research for the show and I was just listening to some music and just enjoying the way back machine as it were. And I knew this album came out. So I went to the YouTube option where you can listen to the whole album, put it on my TV, cranked it up and then made myself something to eat. And I listened to yeah, half the album while I was cooking and, no when I was eating, I switched to Netflix. But I'll say it was it's really good. It's really good. I it's 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 my kind of music. It's really good. I just never got into them. And to be honest, I didn't get into the replacements. I again I was still pop guy. I didn't get into the replacements till later in high school and then worked backwards. But you know, I remember um there's a uh, Gary Blechner was in my French class freshman year, and he was one of those skateboard guys who had the replacements because he was. We all giggled as freshmen would. I was like, oh, there's a song called "Gary's Got a Boner" on this album. <laughs> Tommy gets his tonsils out. Tommy gets his tonsils out. Yeah. So yeah, there's, there's, some good. Else, there's some good deep stuff on that album too. So, so um, if 
you don't mind me sort of segueing a bit. Who hasn't done their number one yet? Okay, so I'm going to segue now then. Oh, none of you have. I was the first. Perfect. No, I, was, I, was, oh, no, I was pointing at the, I was pointing oh, at those oh. two. Okay. <laughs> okay. okay. So, Can we do our um, number ones before you start knocking off our selections? No, no, no. This isn't about music. We're talking about this time in our lives, and some of us were much, much younger. I'm looking at you, I think Jim. We all generally were much younger than me. Yes, yeah, you were. You were much younger than me. All of you were. Also, we're all always you, younger, much younger than we are now. All of you youths. Anyway, but uh, the things, uh, and Eric is the one that's old enough to remember this stuff. Is that the cup we got at the Rockabilly Fest? You know it, baby. <laughs> Holy shit. It's the uh, Chuck Wagon Soda. Yeah, I got that in my cupboard. I use it when I make uh, mules. Anyway, um, so um, that was the year that Rick Allen lost his arm. Yep. In that uh, C4 Corvette. That, that fatal accident, yes. Yeah. And he said, uh, I was, guys, I still want to be in the band. And they're like, yeah, you're our mate. That's cool. Anyway, um, some stuff that was going on with pop culture at the time. <laughs> we had uh, Where's the Beef? That was a that was a thing that was at that time. Who said uh, it? Who's the lady who said where's the beef? Color. All right, there we go. Yes. Wow, look at you go. Um, Ghostbusters was in the movie. I know you. <laughs> you guys are so sweet. I'm giving it. I'm getting a cavity. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> now. Also, so, fun, um, fun, uh, fun fact about the where's the beef lady? She was basically deaf when she did those commercials. Mm-hmm. She could not hear the. Uh, the prompts. So they actually had somebody off right off camera. They would just nudge her shoulder so that she could remember to say the word. So if you watch the watch the commercial closely, you can see her going, "Where's the beef?" Like that, because she's getting nudged by somebody. Like, say your line, say it, say it. Okay, anyway. that's great. That's great. Um, yeah. Other things that happened around. Andy Kaufman died. Yeah. Um, the lung thing, I think, lung cancer. Mm. Anyway, um, and then um, we got. PG-13 in 1984. That was, I mean, it's normal now, but that was when it showed up. And uh, I'm going to go ahead and throw to Jim. What movie was it? I should know this. All right, Eric, go ahead. Well, there are actually, uh, there's multiple answers to this. The first movie that was rated PG-13 was The Flamingo Kid. Wait, time out, time out. That was not his question. This is my shocked face that Eric has extra knowledge for my question. (laughs) Go ahead, Eric. Pontificate. Flamingo Kid uh, starring Janet Jones and the awesome Matt Dillon, but was not released until until later in the summer. I think it was late August, early September. Uh, Dreamscape was also rated PG-13, but it came out like days after... Red Dawn was the first movie to be released in the PG-13 format. So the correct answer is Red Dawn. Red Dawn. Thank you. The for only that version of Red Dawn, as far as I'm concerned, starring Hell yeah. the Swayze. Starring everybody you've ever heard of. Everybody who was an actor in the 80s. Yes. Basically, you got a lot of guys from The Outsiders, and you, then you know you got... Pony uh, Boy. More Dirty Dancing and uh, Back to the Future. Every, every dude. You got every dude. Thomas um, Howell. Uh, so yeah, so that was yeah, that was a thing, and the the last thing for me was big, and 
Probably not for the rest of you. Christine, where'd you grow up? Uh, outside of Chicago. Okay. Well, I'll you all then. Um, the 84 Olympics. Oh, I was, in Los Angeles, yeah. I was just finished my junior year in high school. I was very horny. <laughs> and <laughs> we had driver's licenses and a little bit of money. And we would go out to... Uh, we'd go to some of you know, the the uh, Coliseum or uh, the Forum had some things going on. or And actually, my hometown had some archery, but we didn't go to that. <laughs> but uh, we would go over to Olympic Village where all these athletes would stay. International and, ladies. Oh, yeah. We would be like, hi, did you happen to notice I'm American? And, <laughs> man, it was great. We talked to so many girls, and we would go there just it, as much as our gas money could could get it there um uh 84 that was very very special for me that was a great year great year uh for girls i mean holland they sent some girls over there's german girls and australian irish girls, girls and australian girls and swedish girls i i guess you could tell what my type is by how i'm listed what i'm looking at <laughs> pasty and white yes <laughs> yes if you I was grow, a girl, that's Marty a would be all over me. Yo, you'd be the hottest chick ever. <laughs> Although a little tall. A little tall. Fair enough. And Hi, my name is Steve. <laughs> oh, here. I, I got my uh, umpire burn today. So, yeah, there, there's the pacey stuff. But Jesus Christ. Uh, and, and the biggest pop culture was Ronald Reagan winning in a, wan lan a, wan a landslide. Over Walter Mondale. Guy. Over, yeah, that guy from Minnesota. It was uh, Mondale and uh, Ferraro. Very nice. Geraldine Ferraro. It was a great time to be an American, folks. I don't, it, don't let anybody fool you otherwise. Like yeah. Reagan or hate him, we loved being Americans in, 19, in the yeah, 80s. For sure. For well, at sure. least from 1983 on. That's where we got out of the malaise after that. But, yeah. So, Jim, how old were you in 84? I was in kindergarten. So wow. I don't, my memories are not as vivid as yours. Uh, I have, I, I hope not, but I was smoking a lot of weed at the time. <laughs> well, you, I, you're you're number three. We, we knew that from the Bob Marley selection. Yeah. I, I have a few memories of that general period. Uh, the 83 quake. I remember that. I remember coming home and the, our kitchen being completely destroyed from that. Every dish we owned smashed to bits. I often forget that. Yep. What, what city? Uh, Morgan Hill, just south, just uh, just south of San Jose. Oh, and that would have uh, been the uh, Whittier Narrows, or no, the the big one, the big, big one, San in eighty three. Yeah, yeah. That where the the uh, freeway smushed. Uh, that that was ninety one, or or. So, 90 or 91. I, I, what about there, the were, there were two? There was one in 83, a fairly big one, and then, and then there was the, the San Francisco the quake of 89. Yeah, 89. Yeah, that's the one with the freeway, right? Right, yeah, yeah well, with the yes. World Series. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. There were two big ones in the 80s. That was the first one I remember. Was 80, it was 83. And uh, let's see what else do I remember. I remember my first, first movie I remember seeing in the theater was Return of the Jedi. And and it scared the crap out of me at that age, because I was like I was like three and a half, and you know seeing seeing laser blasts at full full uh, 
full yeah. sound going right by my head scared the crap out of me. Uh, but, but the Muppets still, still were really awesome. worth it, right? The Muppets they really made were, the yeah. whole thing worth it, yeah. Yeah, no, no. <laughs> I still, I, I still would change would change that ending if I could, but anyway. Uh, yeah, so, you know, a few and a few other memories like that. I do remember the 84 Olympics and uh, that kind of thing, but uh, not not obviously not as vivid a memory as yourself. So, All right, we're, we're gonna need to, we need to round this out. There's All two right. of us with our number ones. We're oh, gonna wait. go to our our our, oh, yeah. our our producer. Go at it. Lynn, your number one is. Oh my goodness. Okay, so. Gosh, it was so so hard to pick. So if you love Eric, give us a couple of your other honorable mentions then. Well, if I am taking it from the perspective of age, I probably would have to go with the replacements, right? Like, would have to. If you want that boyfriend. But, like Eric said. I wasn't even into them back then. I had no idea who they were until Say Anything came out. Like, I had no clue. And my brother was listening to them, but, like, I didn't, like, that was, that totally missed me. Like, I Don't Tell a Soul was my first replacements album. So, Hindsight, yes, now, Let It Be is probably one of my favorite albums. Like, I love that album. It's great. But where I was, huh? Say anything, the boombox over my shoulder. Right, yeah, I see that, yeah. But where I was in 1984, in my parents' living room, sitting in front of the stereo, recording cassette tapes off of the radio, North Central College, college radio, that was like my first exposure to college radio. And actually finding music on my own, not having it introduced to me by a sibling, was listening to college radio. And when I heard this band come over the airwaves, my mind exploded. Like I was just like, who the hell are these people? Like these people are like, you know, my secret little goth chick in my heart, like suddenly bloomed and and blossomed and some great reward by Depeche Mode. It was like, you know, people are people. And, and, um, blasphemous rumors and lie to me and somebody and i would sit there in front like recording them and writing the lyrics like obsessively rewinding and playing and writing the lyrics to these songs because i you know i didn't have the albums i didn't have a record player in my room back then but it just i just you know pardon the children i fucking loved that stuff like it was amazing pardon the airwaves also but sorry the rating we can bleep that out but but that was just was you know like all the other you know goth indie you know punk just all that stuff that just came rushing in because of depeche mode that's fantastic. You know, I for a minute there, I thought you were going to say Echo and the Bunnymen because no. you kept saying college. And I'm like, holy shit, no. is she going Echo? No, no. But I mean, they're, one of, the bands. they're one of the bands that they used to play on that station. You know? Uh, see, I was introduced to Echo and the Bunnymen through their greatest hits compilation that came out in 85, Songs to Learn and Sing. 
So you don't know the name of the album in 84 that Echo and the Bunnymen released? They didn't have, I don't believe they had one in 84. Uh, Porcupines would have been a couple years. No, they did. They did have one that year. They did. Again, I I didn't get into Echo until later. I I was counting on you. I can't remember what it was now. I got everything to Jesus and Mary Chain. I have to look it up. It wasn't in my, it wasn't, honestly, it wasn't in my top 10, but it like, I mean, that's great stuff. It's great stuff. And shockingly, I have something to say about Depeche Mode. Uh, I was, uh, I won't say it to not offend people, but uh, there's a line that Depeche Mode, uh, Depeche Mode, what? Jeff Spicoli. Yeah. (laughs) So I was metal, metal guy. Hated it. Absolutely hated it. Of course, after the Jesus years, I started listening to music again, and I was like, okay, this terrible music is really, really good. (laughs) Holy crap. I missed out on so much good music because I was like, yeah, metal or die, right? Yeah, yeah. So I missed out on a lot of good shit. So I would agree. Great album. Great, great album. And of course, I lost myself in when I was starting to talk about like Marty with the Maiden and me picking Maiden for number two. MTV again, they started, it wasn't quite to the uh, they didn't have uh, Headbangers Ball yet, they came later, but they started making metal and hard rock more accessible. So, I mean, you had Last in yes. Line out of the cellar, you still had they're playing uh, Motley Crue Shout the Devil from '83 and uh, Van Halen playing more and more. Uh, who else? Like, Anthrax had their first album. Queensryche had their first album in 84. Uh, Except Balls to the Wall. Fun album, fun song. Uh, There's a a lot of metal that came out that year. And another honorable mention for me before I get to my final, my number one pick, Weird Al Yankovic, Dare to be Stupid, came out. Very good. And Marty, as a Devo fan, I know you like the the song Dare to be Stupid because that's... Mark Mothersbaugh is he got pissed at Weird Al. He's like, You wrote the you you wrote you wrote a Devo, song. Devo in one song. That's the best Devo song. We can't top that. Yeah, that's that's so good. Love so, that song. But that Al did not make my top five. And, he, and here just to round out Wild Boys, the 45 that came out in 84 Woo-hoo. on the Arena Arena album, video directed uh by uh Russell Mulcahy, he did a lot of their videos. Love that video, post-apocalyptic stuff. And speaking of post-apocalyptic, it's new teeth, folks. I'm sorry. But this is the Two Tribes single. i, I got to get the centering thing down. But And this album is so good. Frankie Goes to Hollywood, Welcome to the Pleasure Dome. I know it's there's other people who played on that album besides the guys who actually got credited for it. But Holly Johnson, great singer. Paul Rutherford, no offense to Jerome from the time, but Paul Rutherford is the ultimate hype man to the lead singer in a band. And you've got the fun gate albums, gatefolds, folks. And I love, I love their little quote here at the bottom. I get buzzed off the fact that Andy Warhol's heard of us because he gets buzzed off the fact that Picasso had heard of him. Frankie goes to Hollywood. They ruled 1984 on MTV quite a bit. And oh, and here's uh, in the. Peter Wolf, his first solo album that year, Lights Out. And then the, the band stuck around and they put out You're Getting Even While I'm Getting Odd. Not a good album. Not a good. Jay Giles' band, one of my favorite bands of all time. This album sucks. Except for Concealed Weapons. Good song. And they had a song the next year on the title song for Fright Night. But that's a song for 1985. So, we now arrive at my number one. Hey, We've had real a lot quick. of overlap tonight, folks. But there you oh. have it. 
There it is. Well done, sir. Well, three of us. Sick year. Yeah, three years. Three of us had Van Halen 1984 in our top three albums. So I think that that would win it. uh, And we'll spot on. Apparently, the gents have it. I made my parents sick of that album, but they, they encouraged it. They actually, I got the first copy, not that one. That's, that's the remastered one from a few years ago. I got the first copy at National Record Mart. My mom and dad made sure they drove me down there to when it opened that day. Fortunately, we didn't have school that day. Uh, Where? National Record Mart in Warren, Ohio, the, the, uh, the uh, Eastwood Mall. And technically in Niles, Ohio, next to Warren. But uh, no, I had that first time, and they drove. I drove my parents nuts. They hated that song. Jump, might as well jump. Hit it and jump. Go ahead, jump. Yeah, Incense and Peppermints has oh. such great lyrics too, Dad. <laughs> I definitely can agree Good with one. and Vosnick. But end of the year, because we I listened, and that was also I was a Casey Kasem head at the time, and Van Halen. That was their first number one single. They never had number one album with Dave. Again, they were just kept out of the top spot by Thriller. But um, 1984, their first number one song. And at the year-end countdown, I remember it was Christmas dinner or holiday dinner or whatever, and we're listening to the Casey Kasem show. Or what. I've since learned it may not have been Casey Kasem. It may have been an American top 40 that wasn't Casey. But the number one or number, number two song of the year was now Jump. And I look over at my mom and dad. They look at each other. They look back at me and say, well, you can pick a hit. Fine. <laughs> Dad has since become a Van Halen fan, so all is forgiven. And you know, and another song from that album, driving my mom was driving me to college. Um, we had to go visit my grandparents first in Western New York. There's a town called Panama outside of in, in Western New York, and we're driving along. And mom sees the sign. She's like, Panama, Panama, oh, 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 oh. Wow. I look at her. I roll the window down. I put my head out the window and I say, thank you, God. So you burrowed it into their brain. I won the battle and the war. Van Halen for life. So what's your favorite track there, Eric? On the album? Uh, Ooh. Yeah. It's not one of the hit. It's uh, either uh, Drop Dead Legs or Girl Gone Bad. Drop Dead Legs. I like Drop Dead Legs is mine. And Tommy's got a hit. scorching solo. I'll wait. It's a phenomenal song. Hot for Teacher. That's my pick. And yeah, Hot for Teacher. Is, wrong. And the video is right in my like wheelhouse. But I think maybe because it was played a lot, I was like, well, my favorite's got to be something that not everybody likes. But Panama, a great single. Jump yeah. is jumps. I mean, it's a it's been played to death, but it's still, I mean, it's a great yeah, song. Yeah. It's a song, you're right. It's got a decent a solo for me. It's not like it was all keyboard wall to wall, but I think it played it was it was a nice introduction for you know the next the 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 the, uh, the Hagar phase coming. Next. I agree, it was a song, yeah. There you go. I, in the pinto. So well, there you folks, there you there you folks go. There you go. It's the new teeth. I'm, I'm working on it. Get used to it. I will, but uh, somehow those new teeth make your brain not work. I, I we we, we keep saying these three furs are going to be like we're whittle it to a half an hour, but I'll take the blame on this one. I I, I carry this over at least forty five minutes. But there are many great things that went over time. Some Super Bowls. There's one recent. 
the Civil War. A lot of great things went over time. <laughs> Thanks for the perspective, Marty. There you go. <laughs> yeah, pour yourself another glass. Oh, he's, he's, sure killing he's killing the ball. He's killing the ball. Jug, 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 jug. Oh, you don't. I love it. You, oh, don't have to, you don't have to encourage me. I'm not in college. Shot, shot, shot. When you think of our, our show, think of the Civil War. That's a great comparison. <laughs> well, well, we can play the Titus Andronicus album about the Civil War, but that's a different Ooh. show. So, well, folks, there you have it. 1984, our favorite three albums. So, let, quick rundown. Jim, go. Your three were? Talking Heads Stop Making Sense, Michael Jackson Thriller, Van Halen, 1984. Marty. Well, uh, I will go in uh, reverse order again because I like that. Uh, Bob Marley, legend, 1984, Van Halen, and Power Slave. Christine. And I had Unforgettable Fire by U2, Purple Rain by Prince, and Some Great Reward by Depeche Mode. And we're going last here, the the, uh, the Overlap King. I, I love how much we overlap, but no, number three was Unforgettable Fire U2, number two, Power Slave, and number one, 1984, Van Halen. What a decade. What a year. That's all we got for tonight, folks, for today, whatever time whatever time of day you're, you're watching and or listening to this. But thanks for tuning in here to All Over the Place, 1984, our top three albums, and we'll be back soon here on All Over the Place. You've been listening to All Over the Place, the official podcast of Media Pub Live. If you like what you've been listening to, and you know you have, be sure to share it with friends and family, social media, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, wherever. contained herein have been the opinions of the hosts, the producer, and the guests only. You have listened at your own risk.